Hey everybody, this is Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guy. I'm Tara. I'm Andrew. And this is the 25th in our 3,726 part series wherein we pick a movie at random from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, watch it, do a little research, and tell you what we think. And uh, we've got a couple of rules, and the, the main rule is that the movie has to be one that we've not already seen and that uh, we're not able to veto it as long as it's a movie that we haven't seen. There's a couple of exceptions, but we'll invoke those rules if we have to. Yeah, so last time we watched The Hellbenders, which uh, was like a 1960s spaghetti western. I feel like we're covering a lot of genres that we don't really watch a whole lot of, just the last few episodes. Yeah, who knows what we have in store today. That's, I guess that's kind of one of the points of us doing this podcast was to get outside of our movie watching comfort zone. Hellbenders was pretty good. Yeah, I think we enjoyed it pretty well. Yeah. It's a little, you know, every movie of that era is going to be problematic in one way or another, but at least to not glorify the South rising again, like it seemed like it might have been about yeah. to at the start. Yeah, so. that would have been, uh, we wouldn't have been too happy about that, no. let's just say that. Yeah, no, not, <laughs> not at all. So it's Tara's turn to pick, and so right. close my, your eyes. My eyes are closed. And then we'll begin flipping through the book. Got one. Okay, uh, so keeping with the Western theme, oh, we are going to be watching The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. <laughs> All right, well, I think that one's a pretty highly re- regarded is, movie. It is, from what so. I understand, yeah. Yeah, well. So, uh, 1962, directed by John Ford. Jimmy Stewart mm-hmm. is decades too old to play the naive tenderfoot who finds the West a little more wild than he expected, and Ford hardly leaves the confines of the soundstage, giving the film an oddly claustrophobic feeling. Yet, this is one of the great Westerns. Ford punctuates the heroic myths he helped create in a bitter tale of a freedom-loving gunfighter, John Wayne, who dreads the coming of civilization and its structures to the wide open towns and lawless plains, yet sacrifices himself to make it happen. Ford has never made a darker portrait of the lies and the lives that built the West. Hmm. Dark portrait dark claustrophobic portrait that's those are not usually uh words you associate with a western but no i usually think like pow pow and <laughs> yeah new york city <laughs> get the city slickers yeah that, that's what i usually associate with <laughs> westerns i uh, big big expert on westerns as you can probably tell <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, you're right. From what I understand, this is a pretty well-regarded Western, so it's, it's good. Excited yeah. to watch that. Yeah. And... Moderately excited. I try to... Yeah, moderate. Yeah. 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 You have to keep the, the expectations down low. So I'm yeah. cautiously optimistic, I think, when I say, <laughs> when I say excited. Yeah. That's usually what yeah. I actually mean. I mean, we always say we're optimistic. Yeah. Almost always. Yeah. There, I mean, definitely there were some where we're like, oh, this is going to be a dud right right off the bat. Yeah. But not in eh. this case necessarily. Yeah. We shall see. We shall see. And we'll be back with our thoughts after this musical interlude. Everybody, we're back. Yeah. 
FBI or? Oh, okay. Oh. Right. <laughs> I don't know. That's enough of that. <laughs> well, that's not the last of my funny voices. Uh, save it for after we finish recording. Just uh, it's our, our personal For personal your personal time. pleasure. That's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and <laughs> moving, yeah, moving, moving right along. Moving along. So as always, our uh, illustrious five-point scale goes in order from worst to best rating. Don't watch. Maybe don't watch. Eh. Maybe watch. And the best possible rating is don't not watch. Yes. So have you got your rating in mind? I do. I think. I'm just going to commit to it. All right. One, two, three. Maybe, maybe watch. watch. Yeah, it's a really good movie. It, yeah, it definitely is a much slower movie than... Uh, Hellbenders. Well, than Hellbenders was, that's for dang sure. Yeah. But I didn't mind that about it. Yeah, I think it, it's definitely... I mean, I definitely rank it above Hellbenders. That's... Yeah, for, for sure. Like, I like Hellbenders, but this is... For sure. Is but this is definitely a cut above. Shall we first kind of go through the synopsis of the movie? Yeah, let's, let's talk about the plot. So the movie starts off uh, with... A man named Rant's daughter rolling into um, a little old town called Shinbone with his wife, Hallie. And we find out that he's a senator. And everybody's like, what the heck's Senator Rant's daughter doing yeah. in little old Shinbone? And he's kind of not really going into it. But he's like, it's for personal business. And he runs into the local newspaperman who's demanding to know more about it. And he's like, I'm here for a funeral. It's like... Whose funeral? Tom Donovan. And then he walks off. And they're like, who is that? They're like, who the hell is that? And so Ransom and his wife Hallie get to the funeral parlor. Yeah, and they're talking like Ransom, which is short for Ransom, we should say. It's Ransom. Like, Ransom. Yep. Like, who names their kid Ransom, by the way? It seems like... Uh... Well, they already, the first son was named Handsome. Was... <laughs> no, I have no okay, idea. I was like, <laughs> Did I just did face you, out? You totally missed that part. Uh, yeah. he, he, you could just he tell goes me into anything. a long story about his older brother, Handsome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could have watched the movie. I think I'm not going to be equipped to talk about this. Um, <laughs> That's a bad sign. Bad sign. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. Uh, Tara's going to be doing most of the talking for this episode. Um, I don't know why I'm apologizing for that. I'm anyway. apologizing for that. Okay. And so, like, before they even go to the, the funeral parlor, they're talking, like, uh, his, his wife, Hallie, is kind of ruminating on how the town has changed since they she basically she'd grown up in shinbone right yeah so she was a shinboner a shinboner born uh, and bred yeah born in shinbone man that's, yeah that's no good i was born in a shinbone <laughs> and i'm gonna die in a shinbone <laughs> yeah but yeah like she comments on how there's like a high school and how the town is much more developed than it was when she'd been living there and then they go to the funeral parlor and they see the coffin they're in the funeral parlor, and then one of their old friends from back when they used to live in Shinbone is there. You know, is like crying over the the coffin, and so they all kind of sit together and they're they're mourning together. When the newspaper editor rushes in, and he's like, "I demand, Senator, that you tell me why you're here. You can't just say you're here for a funeral." I'm the editor of the I'm Shinbone the Star, so I think yeah. you know the prestige of that. Yeah, carries with he's it. like such a total dick about it too. Yeah. I could not imagine anybody feeling, you know, it's ethically okay to just interrupt a funeral to write a newspaper article. Why couldn't that have waited? Yeah. 
Oh, right. this guy is such a self-important prick. Yeah, for sure. So, um, uh, just getting that out of the way. Yep. And then Rance finally decides, like, okay, I'm going to shut you the fuck up and I'm going to tell you my story. And so it kind of flashes back to 25 years earlier. And that's um, where the bulk of this movie is set. So we see uh, Rance, and he's, he's riding a stagecoach. Does they, they even say where he's going? He's going somewhere. No, yeah, he, he just, um, he was just heading west. Heading, that's right, to seek adventure. And he finds it when uh, the stagecoach is held up by some masked goons who like so they rob them and then some... they, yeah they they hold up the stagecoach and uh one interesting note is it's six outlaws taking on the stagecoach and they all have matching dusters yeah and it... it's very noticeable because they're like a light color yeah and a very distinct um just the tailoring is very distinct yeah. so i was like oh well these guys are, are together enough to be able to you know to they're coordinate their outfits yeah. so you know they got that going for them well there's some inter- i mean we find out later that it's being led by the the titular liberty valance and he's there's some other interesting characteristics that i will we'll talk about touch on oh. briefly oh yeah so these six matching dudes hold up the stagecoach which in which there is just rance stoddard a widow and then the driver so they are demanding everything rance has about 14 dollars in his pocket and like that's all of his money they take his law books and they take everybody's bags and then they ask the widow for her brooch which is the last thing she has from her husband and rance is just like so incensed by this that he tries to stop the outlaws from taking the brooch based on that the outlaws decide to like they're gonna beat the shit out of him so they grab him and then they send the stagecoach off rance is beaten to a pulp and kind of left out in the outskirts of this area. He doesn't know where he is, just with nothing. So that's when Tom Donovan happens upon him and decides to bring him back to town, which is the nearest town being Shinbone, and tries to get some people in the town to help take care of this badly beaten up man. Yeah, so there's like the the local restaurant that he takes him to and he sets rance up like he puts him on his tab right it's like yeah just take care of him i'll yeah put him on my tab put him on my tab while he recuperates and so rance is kind of getting his bearings back together and he talks about what happened to him and says that uh, how he'd been ambushed by the these goons and mentions that one of them had like the, the, it was a silver handled whip yeah a very distinct whip yeah and they're like oh uh, we know who that is that's that's liberty balance he's a real piece of shit um and so that kind of sets him on his quest he's uh rance is a lawyer uh, basically yeah just fresh out of law school fresh out of law school and so he he sees this opportunity to uh, kind of not really enforce law necessarily but in, but use his education to kind of get to some kind of, semblance of order would you yeah, say yeah to get some semblance of order or justice whatever you want to call it yeah cuz as we quickly find out the, uh, the the marshal of the town is worthless he's just like a, a bumbling doof doofus who, who keeps going to the restaurant for free food yeah Wanting and, se- and multiple then stakes. sleeps in the the cell that has no lock on it. Very cowardly. <laughs> yeah, it's super cowardly. Yeah, he has a wife and a family. Why? Right? Yeah, Why is he yeah. sleeping in his I, unlocked? I don't know. Cell? It's so bizarre. Uh, yeah. So there, he's there, got like more than one. I think he's got a ton of kids. 
so he's he's kind of like the main comic relief from the movie i would say yeah um but yeah there's just this no, I don't want to say like an air of mystery about him because there's not. <laughs> but I mean, like, why is he living in his his jail's unlocked cell when he's got like wife and family at home? Maybe it's just his. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, it, the the family's probably better off without him. To yeah, be totally it, it really is. Uh, it, it is a good, better situation. So Rance realizes the marshal is pretty useless, and that's another reason why he feels compelled to stick around and help the people of Shinbone. Um, and also, he wants to get his revenge on on Liberty too. He's, he's oh, definitely pretty pretty pissed, and so um, well, you know, reasonably so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he had the totally shit beat out of him. Warranted. So that's kind of the reason why he decides to stay around in Shinbone to get his revenge and also to put his his skills to good use. And so Tom Donovan is kind of like it seems like throughout the movie he's just constantly smirking dismissively at everybody to an extent. Yeah, to an extent. But uh, he just he, th- he thinks this is uh, pretty pretty funny the fact that Rance is gonna try to stand up to Liberty Balance because a man like Liberty he's not gonna respect the law clearly, um, and Rance doesn't have any sort of gun skills and and that's basically what Tom says is needed if you're gonna take on a guy like Liberty you have to be able to shoot him yeah like that's it it's violence or nothing with yeah. Him. So it's either that, you either kill him or you get out of town. Yeah. Like, that. those are the two ways of dealing with him. And so there's this scene, like, Rance is hanging out in the, the restaurant. So he's helping washing the dishes, and then there's, uh, like, a day where it's super busy in the restaurant, and he goes to help do waitering duties also to, to help Hallie, who works in the restaurant. It's uh, her parents' restaurant. It's her parents' restaurant, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's how they, they meet. So uh, Rance is waiting tables and then that's when uh, liberty comes in with his couple of goons and they're like super goony his two gooniest goons yeah just like one of them is like the gooniest of goons uh, it feels Pretty like much. he's just like aroused practically by violence oh from, it's oh yeah he's creepy. aroused by the idea of violence being enacted at any point in yeah time. it's and that i mean and I, he's just got this gross grin on his face yeah. all the time and it sounds gross to say that but it's gross to see it too so oh, it's, it's not super like gross. yeah we're not just making this up out of whole cloth or anything it's it's pretty blatant watch the movie and you let us know what you think uh yeah before you cast judgment on our yeah don't you cast aspersions yeah. on our judgment you don't judge us we judge you anyway so he sees uh, liberty come in and it's pretty tense like liberty and tom are kind of facing off and then uh, as Rance is going to to deliver Tom's plate of food, he knows Liberty is there, but he's trying to like stay cool, and he goes to take the food over to, to Tom Donovan, and uh, Liberty trips him and sends his gross steak flying on the floor. And, his burnt steak. Yeah, his burnt steak. Oh yeah, that's that's what thing. they that's like all they cook at the restaurant is like burnt steak, <laughs> baked beans, uh, potatoes that are just like boiled potatoes with nothing on them. Yeah, and then deep baked apple pies. Yeah. So everything. <laughs> so they're it, all getting burnt steaks. Yeah, but I want a burnt. I want five burnt ex, steaks. Extra burnt, please. Extra burnt. Make mine extra burnt. Yeah. Uh, Trump style. <laughs> so they. You know that's probably where Trump got it. I, yeah, he, he I stole wonder. it from the man who shot Liberty Valance. Yeah. So Liberty trips him, and um, and that makes Tom Donovan pretty upset because his burnt steak is like a, now a, a burnt floor steak, and he's like, "Pick it up, Liberty." 
and uh and rance is like oh I'll, I'll get it and it's like no i told liberty to pick it up and so they're about to square off it seems like and then they're like oh that's three against one tom what are you gonna do is like actually pompey's over there with a rifle and pointed at you so so you know suck it yeah and then one uh, like the really goony goon is like don't worry liberty i'll pick it up at that point rance is like fuck y'all i'm picking it up and he grabs the steak angrily and he throws it on a plate and sets it down in front of another dude and so liberty and his goons back off seeing that they throwing some money on the floor yeah they're like go get yourself a new steak tom here here's some money pick it up buy yourself some fresh steak like they wouldn't have just comped him another steak anyway well yeah uh, anyways they do that and then they back off realizing that they don't have the advantage that they thought they had and that kind of really gets rance upset uh because he he's like i can handle myself yeah he fights this is my deal i fight my own battles right yeah so that's when he becomes more determined than ever to stick around like he he hangs a sign out in front of the the newspaper uh saying you know attorney at law against the advice of the other people like hallie there's like they're gonna shoot that up and shoot up the newspaper as well their offices if you do that but he's he's dead set on making his presence known staking his claim not backing down and he decides to open up a school as well to help teach the people there to to learn how to read so they're having the school in town hallie finds out that rance has been practicing with a gun and she's really worried about that because no amount of practicing is probably going to get him up to the level of being able to take down a guy like liberty so hallie asks tom to step in fix this or or kind of teach him just basically give some tips either give him tips or convince him not to do this tom takes rance to his house and is like just so you know hallie's my girl <laughs> i'm building this extra room for her so shoot these paint cans you're gonna practice and rance is like okay no problem everybody knows hallie's your girl yeah so he's out shooting some paint cans tom shoots them to like show up show yeah because like uh, rance is not doing a good job of shooting no he's doing a pretty bad job and so tom is like oh let me show you how it's done and then he like shoots the can with paint still on it and gets rance all covered with paint and pisses him off yeah so so rance is pretty pissed off and tom's like look i'm trying to make a point that liberty is gonna play dirty if you take him on he's not gonna be civil about it essentially if you're gonna go up against liberty you have to expect trickery Rance is still really pissed off at Tom for doing that, and he socks him really good in the jaw and then takes off. So, flash forward to some point in the future, and Shinbone is meeting up to elect some delegates to a convention at the territory's capital um, to determine if, they're, if they want to become a state or not. Rance is pro-statehood because it'll help all the settlers with their claims to their properties and if it you know remains just like a territory there's nothing to stop others from coming in and just like kicking them out the whole town is at this meeting trying to determine who they're gonna elect tom donovan is nominated first by rance and then he's like no i'm not doing it so so tom then nominates rance and he's quickly seconded. Yeah. And he doesn't really... He kind of begrudgingly accepts it. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. He doesn't, nobody really seems to want to do this. Except for Liberty. 
who shows up yeah. and is like he gets his two two goons two to goons to to vote in favor of him. Yeah, to nominate and, and second him. And it's like, when did they learn parliamentary procedure? Like they're pretty <laughs> well versed. So they they have matching coats. Oh yeah. And then they they know the ins and outs reasonably well for that time of parliamentary procedure. What like. He's, yeah, you know, workable, workable they, levels. Yeah, they you know they paint Liberty as this kind of mindless, violent goon, but there's there's more to him than that. There's there is a mystery about yeah, him. Yeah, he's there's there's more beneath the surface than what we can see in this movie. Yeah, Rance is like, no, you can't just do that, and they they make everybody actually take a vote in the town, and so like everybody votes in favor of Rance, and the only people who vote in favor of Liberty are the his two goons. That's it. So then for the second delegate, they elect Dutton Peabody, who is the publisher of the local newspaper. It's determined that they're going to go to the convention and argue in favor of statehood. So Liberty doesn't take this very well. Like, he storms off. And then later that night, Peabody... Everybody's, like, celebrating yeah, everybody's, and drinking. Yeah, celebrating, like, Peabody especially, I think, more just because he's not really looking forward to having to be this delegate. He's just kind of drinking to deal with it because he knows also that Liberty's gonna come after him yeah um liberty's how, not happy yeah seeing how unhappy he was he's like uh this this is not good and uh he's right he, it's not good like at some point he goes back to the newspaper offices and like lights a lamp and then we dramatically see the reveal of liberty and his goons really posed very uh dramatically behind him like were they just how long were they waiting in there with their <laughs> arm resting yeah just <laughs> Sitting there, like, this is going to be worth it when it pays oh, off. Oh, it's going to be so sweet for, to for see the, the look on his face. Yeah, this is going to be worth it for the nobody who sees the way that we're posed <laughs> like this. If, if this uh, <laughs> were happening in real life and not a movie. Yeah, um, that's true. So they beat the shit out of Peabody to the point where he's... He's, like, like almost He's on the verge of death. of death, yeah. And, um... Totally destroy his office. Yeah. Smash out his windows, which I'm sure weren't very easy to come by back then. Right, right um so yeah so after this happens like everybody kind of realizes what's going on and, and rance goes out to confront him and balance is like not worried about this at all he's just like kind of laughing it off like yeah whatever you know lawyer take, take your best shot what you gonna do and then he's like shooting at his feet yeah and he shoots him in the arm which looks pretty painful rance drops his gun and liberty says well you've got two hands don't you go go get your gun and as rance is leaning down to pick his gun up liberty is like this next bullet's going to be right between your eyes and and rance quickly raises the gun and shoots at him and it hits liberty dead on and he drops dead and everybody is just kind of amazed and relieved except for the two goons who were like we should run him out of town let's let's get him let's hang him surprisingly nobody in the town was yeah, like super big on that nobody, idea nobody's too interested in that like the uh the worthless marshal suddenly is very emboldened when yeah. tom shows up and tells the goons to get out he's like like the, the marshal tells them as he's kicking him out of the saloon like i'm running out of town and i'll do it again and yeah you're you're talking tough now now that liberty is dead like and these two idiots don't pose any significant threat so Hallie is treating Rance's arm wound and Tom is looking at this obviously unhappy because he's seeing that Hallie's basically fallen for Rance. So he goes and gets super drunk at the saloon then heads home and sets fire to the extension he was building for Hallie. Uh, so Pompey rescues Tom, but Tom's house is completely destroyed by the fire. So we move forward to the statehood convention. First, there's like some really 
dramatically speaking long-winded dude yeah cash is starbuckle which sounds like it should be like the the protagonist of some shitty third rate sci-fi show set from the 90s like, oh for sure some space show and then peabody's like okay everybody let me tell you about my friend rance it's going on and on about what a great guy this Rance is and how he should be heading to represent the territory in Washington, D.C. Um, but then one of the candidates is like, oh, fuck that. This dude shot a guy. He's supposed to be a lawyer, but he took the law into his own hands and, and killed this dude. Liberty. This this upstanding citizen. And the he, people there that knew Liberty are like, whoa, like whoa, whoa, uh, Excuse me, upstanding citizen? <laughs> uh, nah. Rance is like, oh, crap. I did. I killed a man. I can't. I'm not fit for public service. He quietly just like leaves the room. And when he's outside, he runs into Tom, who's like, hold up, my friend. Let's flash back. You know, when you shot Liberty, that wasn't you. I'm the one who killed Liberty. Yeah, we we shot our guns at the same time, but I'm the one that actually hit him. Yeah, like, I'm the one who knows how to use a gun. And so Rance is like, I didn't kill a guy. And he just like walks back into the room and he's nominated and accepts that and is elected to go to Washington. He doesn't say that he didn't kill Liberty. He's just like, he goes yeah. in and he accepts the nomination. That is kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. So now we go back to present day. And, and so the editor is like, well, that, that was a great story. Thank you for telling me the story. And let me just tear up my notes and throw them in the fireplace because nobody is going to want to hear that you're not the guy that actually killed Liberty Valance. Here, I've got the exact quote. Yeah. This is the West, sir. When the legend becomes fact, print the legend. Which is a pretty great line. Like, that's the one good thing. The one at all good thing that came out of this editor in the entire movie. Yeah, yeah. And so still, it is kind of a waste because Rance had just spent God knows how long recounting this long-ass story (laughs) at his friend's funeral. Uh, And then... Well, I guess it's an appropriate time to do it and be like, you know what, everybody? Yeah, that's true. This is the guy who did it. You know, we we have him to thank. Yeah. For all of this. So if he's going to do it, I guess it's more appropriate for him to have done it there to get it than off his, later. Off his chest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now the funeral's over and Rance and Hallie are on a train heading back to Washington. And he says to her, you know what? I feel like I'm ready to retire from politics. Let's move back to Shinbone and I'll practice law there. And she's really happy, of course. And so she's like... Look around at this great garden that you've grown, whatever, like basically talking about how everything's so much better in the area than it was. And he kind of has this not entirely convinced look on his face. The implication being that it's kind of built on a lie. Like his whole political career was built on this lie that he was the one who took down Liberty Valance. Yeah. And then to just kind of drive that point home, like the, I guess like the conductor of the train or whatever, it comes up and he's telling him about all this stuff that they're doing to prepare Rance for his arrival back in Washington. And and Rance is like, oh, that's that's great. And, you know, so I really, I'm very grateful for you guys to be doing all that. And the conductor is like, nothing's too good for the man who shot Liberty Valance. And then it's like, wah, wah. Yep. The, end of movie. The end. You know, it's a, it's a bittersweet kind of ending. Right. I guess this has more ambiguity to it. And it's kind of present in a lot of the movie. Like, John Wayne had a lot of trouble getting into his, his role. Like, he couldn't f- really figure it out. And uh, somebody's like, well, you know, your character is, there's a lot of ambiguity there. And he's like, I don't like ambiguity. That leads to perversion. And just kind of reinforcing that John Wayne was kind of a piece of shit. Like, the yeah. racist piece of shit uh, yeah. in real life. 
like a, a good actor for these kinds of roles oh totally but, but <laughs> like let's not um become overly nostalgic about this guy yeah you know, we gotta be mindful you gotta be truthful of what kind of person he truly was yeah so uh that kind of leads us into the other stuff we found out about the movie i guess yeah so it was the the first instance, speaking of John Wayne, it was the, the first movie where he referred to somebody as Pilgrim, which I think is one of the more common traits when some whenever idiots are trying to do impersonations of him, they're always like, Pilgrim? I'm like, well, that's where this came from, so thanks, yeah. thanks movie. Thanks for, movie. For that. For Pilgrim. There was a lot of dude thrown around in this movie, too. Yeah. Uh, Liberty, especially. Was, yeah. I was reading a little bit about dude, and it really didn't have the same meaning, obviously, as it does now. It was more kind of a derogatory term to refer to somebody who was like a real gussied up city slicker yeah back then and then it it got co-opted by surfers in the 60s apparently so the movie was directed by john ford he really was uh where john wayne got his break i guess was uh, in in the westerns that he made i think there was something like 10 or so westerns that the two of them pretty significant number yeah yeah there's i think i read somewhere that there were 10 westerns that they did together he was not an easy director to work for. He basically gave everybody a hard time. So apparently at this point, Ford was kind of not doing so well just um, in terms of his health, like after years of hard work and hard living and all this. And he was kind of on the outs with the the movie studio, not doing so well financially. And so he kind of like, and the studio was like, okay, but it has to star John Wayne. Ford didn't want Wayne to think that Ford was indebted to him. So that's kind of why I think part of why Ford was such a piece of shit to him. But but it wasn't just limited. But it wasn't him. just limited to him. The, the guy who played Pompey said that pretty much all of the strife on the set while they were filming it, he felt was because John Ford was such a piece of shit to everybody. He could be a real difficult person to work with, but he was loyal to his actors. I mean, obviously he did a yeah. lot of movies with John Wayne. He was loyal to like a kind of a recurring group of character actors that were in a bunch of his movies and and even some of the movies that he made back in the silent era like Gertrude Astor who was the the first actress that Universal signed uh, ever she worked with him on a few films and he even like in the later years when she was not getting really any acting work he put her in this movie he put her in a couple of other movies and in small parts but he was a good guy in that respect yeah I mean even the guy who played Pompey who you know had difficult obviously was talking about the difficulty of working with them. Woody Strode is the name of the actor. He was actually in several Ford movies as well. Yeah, and he said that John Ford was like the the best director that he ever worked with. So um, I guess when the movie first came out, people were kind of knocking it as not as good as other the other pictures that Ford had done beforehand. And it was really sort of in the years after that people really came around to it. Yeah, I saw that it got like second billing on a lot of movie marquee is just that's how little people thought of it at the time yeah for sure but um obviously the the tides of opinion really turned on uh this movie so lee marvin who played liberty valance his widow pamela said that the man who shot liberty valance was her all-time favorite of all the movies of all the movies that lee marvin was in and then in addition in 2007 it was selected for preservation in the u.s national film registry by the library of congress for being Culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And so, yeah, I mean, it's really kind of stood the test of time. Like, it, it's, it's something even that they, well, not that it's necessarily a sign of a movie that's stood the test of time, but they're they're trying to remake it. Back in, like, in 2015, Variety mentioned that Paramount is looking to do a remake of it. 
it sounded like they might change the setting which is i guess i mean whatever it's it'll probably be fine but they're gonna move it to the 1980s is at least the yeah. theory that was being floated it's set in western pennsylvania amid the re-entrenchment of the steel and auto industries was uh how they described it i'm like that is a pretty drastic change i guess like it seems pretty like a pretty significant shift in in setting uh, at yeah. least so i can't imagine <laughs> it's hard to hard to imagine yeah i guess we'll, um, we'll see maybe it's well, just like off the cuff it's hard for me to imagine yeah the moving this but i'm sure that there's a way of taking some of it it's just there's so much about the law in the west right like this is the law of the west and right. like that is such a huge part of it that it, it's hard to imagine this, this movie being set in a different time period and in a different area there's ways of reinterpreting the bare bones of the story but for this particular movie it's so hard to divorce it you know from the old west yeah it's it's we'll we'll see i guess yeah time time will tell so speaking of the story on a a really sort of fundamental level i saw what i thought was like a, a really good way of distilling it robert b ray said that it's like a perfect critical study of one of the most enduring hollywood tropes so you've got the outlaw hero who in this was Tom Donovan. He's reluctantly drawn into working with the quote official hero who in this was Rance. And then they work together to defeat a common enemy being Liberty Valance. And they also have this love triangle going on with Hallie. So one thing that makes this movie different from stories that have those sort of basic structures is that the ending is a bit dark and painful bittersweet like we said yeah like bittersweet the the hero doesn't win the hero being tom the winner isn't heroic so rance wasn't the one who actually took down liberty valance and then this quote i thought was really good destiny here is more a matter of accident and misunderstanding and history depends entirely on who's telling it and why so um, that, that pretty much wraps it up for this episode. Uh, if you are wanting to stay on top of our episode releases, you can follow our Facebook group, Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, or check out our website, which is just Tara and Andrew versus.com. You can pretty much just Google Tara and Andrew versus and we'll pop up. Uh, yeah, we're pretty much the only Tara and Andrew versusing things. <laughs> that we could find. Yeah. Although there is a Tara and Andrew that lived in our building, may still live in our building, which is yeah, weird. It is kind of weird, but, but they're not... It's us versus them, and we were here first. Yeah, and then if you wanted to get in touch with us, you can also send us an email at terraandandrewversus at gmail.com. So I want to say thank you to the fantastic Seattle band Boat for allowing us to use their song lately off the album Setting the Paces. Just want to let everybody know that most of the dudes from Boat are in a band called Unlikely Friends, who just had an album come out called Crooked Numbers. They're doing a show later this month at Full Tilt, I think on the 24th, and they've got their own ice cream flavor, which sounds pretty good. Yeah. So if you're in the Seattle area, you might want to check that out. Yeah. And then lastly, I guess we just want to say that if you are in the Seattle area, um, you really we would encourage you to support Scarecrow Video if there are independent video stores in your area outside of seattle you should definitely uh give them your support as well it's kind of a a dying breed and they have a lot of stuff that you really are not going to be able to find anywhere else support local independent movie stores yeah and that is it for this week so until the next episode catch you later potato hags